Faith for Today with Colin Urquhart and Julia Fisher. Such an interesting programme yesterday, Collins. You explained what was going on in Acts chapter 11. As the church in Antioch started to develop, Barnabas went to find Saul. It was time for the Gentiles to be added into the church. So much strategical work going on. Yes, and of course at this stage, Antioch has not yet developed into the apostolic centre that it would become. Uh, and there is still very strong influence, and rightly so, from Jerusalem. So we read in chapter 11, verse 27 of Acts, a number of prophets from Jerusalem visited Antioch during this period. One of them was called Agabus, and he predicted under the inspiration of God's Spirit that the whole Roman world was about to experience a severe famine, an event that took place during the reign of Claudius. The disciples there decided to provide help for their fellow believers in Judea. Each gave as generously as he could, and the elders entrusted their gift to Barnabas and Saul to take to Jerusalem. Very interesting, isn't it, that uh, the first, if you like, communal act within the church was to give money. Uh, you, You hear all kinds of people say negative things whenever the church talks about giving money. But here we are, right in the very early days of the Gentiles being reached. And this famine is going to hit Judea in particular. And the believers there are going to have a very tough time in the, in the coming years. And the immediate response of these new Gentile believers and the new Gentile churches that were emerging was to support financially the believers in Jerusalem and in Judea. So that would have given them a sort of a bonding, wouldn't it, immediately? Absolutely. But what did Jesus teach about this? Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So it shows that there was not a division in the minds of the Gentile believers between themselves and the Jewish church. But actually they recognized their dependence, really, upon the early Jewish believers. And therefore, they were very grateful for the fact that the Lord had, as Paul explains, grafted them into Israel, into the true Israel of God, so that Jesus Christ became their Messiah. And of course, the word Christ is the Greek word for Messiah, the anointed one. So there was this unity that was expressed in this this love that was expressed in the giving of money uh, for the hardship that was being encountered by the believers in Judea right in the very early days of the Gentile church emerging. And it says in verse 30, each gave as generously as he could and the elders entrusted their gift to Barnabas and Saul to take to Jerusalem. Now, as if the uh, famine wasn't bad enough, a fresh wave of persecution breaks out. Now, we've already seen there were times of persecution, but the church had been enjoying a time of peace. The persecution had abated, but now another time of persecution begins. The scripture says, when King Herod arrested some believers in the church, he had the apostle James, John's brother, killed with a sword. 
Seeing that this pleased the Jewish leaders, Herod then had Peter arrested during the Passover feast. He had him thrown into prison where he was guarded around the clock by four squads, each of four soldiers. Herod's intention was to try Peter publicly after the Passover. But while he was in prison, the church prayed earnestly for Peter. On the eve of the day set by Herod for his trial, Peter was asleep between two soldiers bound by two chains with sentries also standing guard at the entrance to his prison. Suddenly a bright light shone into the cell and one of the Lord's angels appeared. He shook Peter to awaken him and said, Get up quickly. Immediately the chains on Peter's wrists fell off. The angel said to him, Get dressed and put your sandals on. Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. The angel instructed him. So Peter followed him out of the prison. But the whole event seemed so unreal, he didn't realize that this was actually happening. He thought he must be seeing a vision. Now let's just pause there. This is exciting, isn't it? Uh, we've seen already that the early church was living in the supernatural. Supernatural events were taking place uh, regularly. And here is such an event, this appearance of the angel. But of course, Peter was a man who had visions. You remember it was in response to the vision of the tablecloth being let down from heaven that Peter broke that previous taboo which he had lived under of going into a Gentile home, preaching the gospel to Cornelius and his household, and seeing the Holy Spirit fall upon them. So Peter was someone obviously given to having visions. So to him, this sort of event seems so unreal, it was like having a vision. Now, let me explain what a vision is. A vision is, is not you praying and you see a picture of a daffodil or something and bursting out into bloom and you get a prophetic word, uh, some new life is about to break out. Um, a vision is, you, you see, you can, you can get a prophetic picture when you pray, which is, I say, well, that's really like a photograph. But when you have a vision, it's like a movie. It's like a film. You are, and you are so involved in it. You, it, it does seem sort of real and yet unreal. I mean, you know it's a vision and yet. Uh, what you, you see something unfolding. Uh, you, you see what is happening. You see what is going to take place if it's a prophetic vision. So that's very, very different from somebody praying and just having a mental picture of something that God is using to describe or explaining something. So if Peter was given over to visions, uh, then he was used to, from time to time at least, having these experiences of seeing events unfold. And, and often he would have been part of those events um, as with the tablecloth being let down from heaven, which is why God gave him those visions. So it would be very natural for Peter to think, oh, the, this is a vision. And then he suddenly realized, well, but wait a minute, this is real. This is for real. This is no vision. This is actually happening. And we read in verse 10, they passed both the first and the second guards. And when they came to the prison gate, it opened for them by itself. They passed out into the city. And when they had walked down one street together, the angel disappeared suddenly. Peter then realized that this was not his imagination and thought. Now I know for sure that it is true. The Lord really did send his angel to rescue me from Herod and from all that the Jewish people intended to do to me. 
So <laughs> here's Peter, one moment. He's chained up, guarded by all these sentries. The prison doors are locked. The next, he's standing out in the street, completely on his own, free. Very unusual story, though, isn't it, Colin? It, it's an unusual story, but praise God, uh, God is able to do unusual things. Do you hear that sort of thing happening today? Well, I can't say I've heard anything exactly like that, but, you know, we were talking the other day about um, people being transferred from one place to another. Yes. You see, things like this are happening today. The supernatural things are happening today. Um, I'm sure there's probably people getting released from prison in all kinds of miraculous and unexpected ways. I've certainly heard of Christians who are expecting to die suddenly being released and not knowing why. And I'm sure that is by God's um, you know, divine intervention. So when he realized that he, he was free from the prison, Peter went to the house of Mary John, Mark's mother, where many had gathered to pray for him. I, I always find this very amusing, this passage. Uh, he knocked on the outer gate, and a, a, a servant girl called Rhoda came to see who was there. When she recognized Peter's voice, she ran back into the house without opening the door and told everyone, Peter is at the door. Let me just pause there. Rhoda. Who's Rhoda? Just a servant girl. And here she gets into the Bible. She gets into the New Testament scriptures. We don't know anything else about her. She was probably simply that, just a young uh, believer. But uh, th this is one, for me, uh, of the marks of, of how authentic these um, descriptions of the early church are in the Acts of the Apostles. Because, you know, if you were sort of making up a story or anything like that, you wouldn't worry about details like this. But here is this little detail of this servant girl, so excited that it's Peter that she doesn't even think to open the door. But she goes back and says, Peter is at the door. Uh, you must be imagining things, they replied. But she kept insisting that it was true. So they said, well, it must be his angel, um, <laughs> which is an interesting sort of thought. But uh, of course, it wasn't that at all. Meanwhile, Peter continued to bang on the door. When finally they opened it and saw that it was indeed Peter, they were amazed. Now, let me pause there. Why should they be amazed? After all, they'd been praying for him praying for him to be released. Well, I'm sure they weren't expecting to see him in the middle of the night. But it does show that they were praying through the night for him. Why? Because the trial was about to take place on the following day. They were persevering in prayer, and I'm sure, therefore, they were praying with faith, but their faith certainly didn't extend to the point of expecting Peter to be released miraculously from prison in the middle of the night. So, when they opened the door and they saw Peter, they were amazed. Uh, Peter indicated that um, with his hand that they should be quiet and then explained how the Lord had freed him from the prison. Tell James and the other brothers what has happened, he said, before leaving for another place. Now there's different James, aren't there? James, the, the brother of John, he was the one that was martyred. This James is the brother of Jesus who really had emerged as the kind of chairman, the, the senior elder of the church into, in, in Jerusalem. And very interesting how Peter and the others, you see, deferred to him in, in his position there. We'll see that he emerges later uh, in a definitive way when they're discussing the whole issue of the Jews and the Gentiles. You've been listening to Faith for Today, presented by Julia Fisher. This program is sponsored by Kingdom Faith. For further information, visit our website, kingdomfaith.com. 